We have been uh, going through the book of Revelation in kind of fits and starts. That means that uh, we're going along and then all of a sudden we stop and have to regroup and go back, back up a little bit and then start again. But that's only because I'm a novice at this book. And the last time I studied Revelation this deeply, I was 23 years old. That's a long, long time ago, during my Bible college days. And I didn't understand the book. And the professor was not all that good. <laughs> so I had an excuse that I really haven't understood Revelation like I should. But I am enjoying this study. And I thank you for being my listeners. And even those who will, not just Katie, but others will say, ah, Ron, can I ask you a question? Anyway, this really is getting inside my heart. And I'm beginning to understand this book is the most important book in the Bible for us in our age right now. We need to study this. We need to be prepared. And it's not just about things that are elusive and we can't understand. There are things that are substantial and we can understand. This is the nature of the God we worship. These aren't just illusions. There is reality here. And it has to do with us as his believers, us as his followers. This is a word given directly from Jesus Christ to his church. And we are that church. We are that people. And if these words were judged relevant in the past, it is more relevant than they were yesterday. These truths that we're talking about. They're happening right now. So this book is not an old dusty book. It is a book that we need to get inside our hearts because we really see and understand who God is from this book. Israel, when they were coming out of Egypt, learning what the God of Israel was all about, the people said, don't, 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 don't let us see him. Don't let us get near him. All this thunder and lightning and all of this is scary. We don't want to get next to him. Moses, you go, you go up there on Mount Sinai and we'll stay down here. Some of us have had that kind of idea of God, I believe. I used to have that. But in really walking with the Lord these years, I have come to find out he is an awesome God. Yes, he is. He is powerful. He is mighty. He's almighty. But you know, by the cross, by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, I can come close to him. And especially in having the Holy Spirit living inside me, we all can draw near to him without fear. That's where he wants it. That's what he wants of his people. To get to know him, to walk with him. That's what he desired of our original parents. He wanted to get 
close to them and walk with them daily. And that was what they were in the habit of doing before the enemy came along and diverted them. And then they had to hide because they realized they were naked. And so the lamb had to be killed so that they could be clothed, so that they could be righteous in the, in the eyes of God. And through the, the walk and the, the history of the Old Testament, there have been people who have dared to come close to God. For instance, David, other patriarchs who drew close to God. And John, who was the one who laid his head on the shoulder of Jesus at the Last Supper, was the one who wrote this book. He had dared to get that close to the living God. And he has shared this book with us so that we also would be able to join and relate and become the people of God, knowing our God, knowing that he has broken down the inner wall and made us come face to face with him. That's our God. Holy, yes making us sanctified, set apart, and holy like him? Yes, so that we can have communion, we can have close proximity to the living God, their creator of the world. That is his heart toward each one of us and toward those that you love, of your relatives and your, your friends. Oh, that they would come to know Jesus like we have known this last year. That should be our burning heart for those that we love. John gives us an opportunity to really see what heaven is like. There will be many, many scenes in this book that we need to pay close attention to. God is allowing us to look into what his domain is all about. It's like pictures. And it goes from scene to scene. And what we're doing right now is we're camping in chapter 4 and chapter 5 just to look of what it is like in one room in heaven, the throne room. And so John is looking around and he's describing these things and some of them sound very surrealistic. You know why? Nobody's ever described heaven like that before and had that personal lifting up to heaven. Well. Some of the prophets have taken a peek into heaven in the presence of God. We get to read this book and see what heaven is like. I would like to challenge you that in this coming year, you make it your objective to read through Revelation. Okay? As we're going through this, read it. Read it, read it. We told you to do that in Hebrews. Okay, here we go. Here's the promise that we always read, and I want to do this consistently as we go through this book. To remind you that this is not a task, this is a blessing. And let's read this together. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, 
for the time is near. I'll read uh, chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, even with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. We're going to look at what the scroll is about in verses 1 through 4. And then talk about the lion and the lamb in 5 to 8. And then about true worship in the last part of chapter 5. The uh, scroll is a very interesting uh, tool or object that we have. We don't use it anymore. We have books. Some of the translations, unfortunately, the New American Standard Bible, which I swear by, does not use the word scroll. It says book. Well, John did not write a book during that time. It was scrolls, parchment, skins of animals that they wrote on. And this scroll that we're talking about was a 
actually probably was an inheritance document. And so when we are talking about this, let's think of it in terms of it being very precious, very specific, and it was not just any old scroll. This scroll was very important. And so when we find out what is happening when they're asking for someone to open the scroll, we've already read this, but we're going to go through it again with a greater intensity. This scroll was important to all of us, to all humanity. It wasn't just something that happened to land in heaven. One of the things that John also experienced as he was taken up to heaven, as we read in chapter 4, was that what he saw and how he described it, it was hard to put it into human experience. It's like if you were raised in the jungles of Borneo and you'd never seen a microwave oven, and here's just the steel box with a black cord on it, you wouldn't know what it was. And so you'd say, well, it was hard. You couldn't eat it. You couldn't even chew the black cord on it. We don't know what this was all about. But it probably has some kind of purpose. But it, it's white, like the sand on our beaches around our islands. The black cord looks like it might come from a part of a snake. Do you see what I'm saying? That person that had never seen a microwave oven wouldn't have a clue what that was all about. Now, I hope none of you are from Borneo. <laughs> That's not to denigrate or put down people from Borneo, but I'm just taking this as an illustration, okay? This would be the same way if we went to heaven and we saw what was there we would have a very difficult time describing what was going on there. Can you imagine that? And that's what John was experiencing. Here's the other thing that I didn't mention last week. In chapter 4, it seems like when John comes up to heaven, there's someone sitting on the throne, but he doesn't describe the one sitting on the throne. He describes things around it. And he does the same thing in chapter 5. Why? There are no words to describe it. And so even the face of God was not described by John. And you wonder, well, what does God look like? But you know what God said in Exodus on the mountain? You cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. So we don't really understand or know what does God look like. And he also gave us a commandment. You're not to make anything in the image of a God. That God is so beyond anything that we could create. Any false impressions of drawings of this is what God looks like. We can't do that because he is so beyond what we understand. 
Now I understand that God made us, all of us, in his image. But what does that really mean? Those who have gone to heaven and have looked and seen God, all they see is light. And they cannot describe who he is. So that we not become worshipers of object or pictures. You know, I don't really believe in the picture of Jesus that you see. There's a man who drew the picture of Jesus. He's got nice hair, golden hair coming down, and very beautiful, handsome face. But what does the Bible say about Jesus? It says that he was uncomely. He was not a very good-looking man. I think Jesus was probably can I say this? Ugly. And I'm not looking at anybody for an example of what that means. But Jesus was not that attractive a person. And I think that was for a purpose. That we not worship good-looking guy. I think that Jesus was attractive for who he was, not how he looked. At the right hand of him, seated on the throne. There's no description here of God. It just says, at the right hand of him, seated on the throne. A scroll was written within and on the back. Okay, I got started on this uh, scroll thing, and then I got distracted. The scroll was written within and on the back. Well, we can understand that that would happen with a book. But on a scroll, no. It was written on the inside, but what was on the back of that scroll? Well, as they wrote, they would roll that up, and they wouldn't write on the back until they got it all written out. And then they sealed it with wax, sealing it so that it was closed. And then on the back, they would write the description of what that scroll was all about. And we don't know what was written on that. John does not tell us what was written on the back of it. And that was the nature of scrolls in those days. This scroll was actually sealed with seven seals. It was a very special seal. And according to one of the things that I studied this past week, this was common for a document that was very, very important. It wasn't just something with one seal on it and you break that one seal. This was a very secret or private scroll to have seven seals on it. And so basically what it was was as they were writing this scroll, they would put a seal on the top and on the bottom and then roll the scroll up to the next and they'd write some more until they finally got to the last one and they put a seal on that. And that then is holding that so that nobody can peek into it or see what is in that document. So this scroll was sealed up. It's not like a hanko. You know, our hankos, I'm, I'm surprised, hankos are still very, very important here in Japan. When we came in 1972, I got my first hanko. And I thought, boy, this is really special. I can do anything with this. 
Well, if you've got money in the bank, you can. But a honko is not like what we're talking about here. This kind of a seal is by dripping wax on a candle and then someone has a honko type thing on their ring. They press that impression. And what I understood was that the person that made this scroll that John was describing had to get six friends to come and they would witness the content of this and they would seal it with their private seal so that this was known what the content was and was authentic. It was a very important document. It wasn't just anything that you picked up in the library and thought, oh, let's, let's find what. The seals were important. And the person that opened it had to have that authority to open it. That's how serious it was. And so we read that a mighty angel was proclaiming, who is worthy to open the scroll? And it says, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it because they didn't have authority to open it. And what was the reaction of John? He began to weep greatly. This was important. He knew it was important. That's why he came to heaven. God brought him up there to see that this was very important. Something is in here that means something to the whole world and to history. And if it's not opened, what will we know and what will we not be able to understand about God and what his plans and purposes are? And so John began to weep greatly because there was no one who was found worthy to open or look into the scroll. That's what happened. That's the picture of the scroll. We move to a, another scene here, the lion and the lamb in verses five to eight. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain. I think I told this already, but maybe just quickly. When I was a junior high school student, or actually first year junior high, I was in 4-H. And I wanted to raise a sheep, a lamb, for my project. We had a little farm, and I was fascinated by sheep. But dad said, no sheep on my farm. And why? We had cows, we had pigs, we had chickens, we had rabbits. Why not a sheep? And my dad said, because we have to butcher it. That's the meaning of having these animals. And he said, when I was a kid, we had sheep. And he says, sheep are the hardest animals to kill. Do you know why? Because they will stand there and you cut their throat and they'll stand there and just bleed to death until they finally fall over. Whereas I think I told you about when I stuck the pig 
and I put it in there, and the pig goes, Rah! and there's rat all across the uh, barnyard. And typical pig squealing. And Dad said, no, no sheep. That was the worst experience that he said he had had, was killing those sheep. That's the same thing right here. A lamb standing as if slain. That's what Jesus did. But this lamb, seven horns and seven eyes, which are described as the seven spirits of God, that's what Jesus was. Fully man and fully God in his whole person and his makeup as our Savior. And he, the Lamb, as if slain, went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And then the four living creatures with harps and golden bowls, which are the prayers of the saints. This is what John saw. Four creatures with harps and the uh, 24 elders. That's what John saw with the bowls of the prayers of the saints. We prayed this morning for those of us that are going into this new year. I wonder if the prayer that I prayed this morning is in one of those golden bowls and how it's going to be answered, those prayers, in your life as we've joined together in our hearts here this morning. Then we want to talk about, in these last few minutes, true worship. And they sang a new song saying, okay, here we go. I want this section to stand and read this. And we'll read it together. Would you please stand in the middle section here? Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Amen. You may be seated. I think it's good for us to do this reading scripture together. This is what happens in heaven. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, what is a myriad? Anybody know what a, a myriad is? It's a lot. It's an awful lot. Basically, the idea of myriad is you cannot number that high. Myriads of myriads, impossible to number. Thousands of thousands. And these creatures were saying this. And I would like the two ends of the congregation stand and read this together. Let's say this together. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, and might, honor, 
glory and blessing. Let's do it again with a loud voice this time. Come on, really punch it out, okay? Okay, here we go. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Amen. You may be seated. Just to give you a picture, a very tiny picture, of what it was like in heaven with all of this happening. This was what John was experiencing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, and I want all of us to stand. And we'll read this together. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Father, this is not like heaven, but may we get a glimpse of what we're headed for. And may this new year be for us where we have become so taken up and so drawn to you, the Lamb who was slain, that heaven be open to us and we feel that much closer to you and to being with you. Those things that keep us so earthbound, tied up in knots, Lord, we want to be those people who have a heavenly vision. I pray that you would anoint each one of us in this coming year to really be longing to be with you and with the saints. We ask this in Jesus' name. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor, glory, and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. Amen. We're creatures. We don't know what we are and what we will be, but I want to see what we are like when we all get to heaven. When we get there, what is it going to be like to be together around the throne? This is the scene. This is the picture of where we're going, folks. Those believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.